Thank you, Lord, that you're here with us this morning. You're moving in this place. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you speak to our hearts? Kind of even, Lord, would you even like bypass uh, sometimes our, our thought processes and just go straight to where it matters, which is deep within our hearts, Lord, today? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Ah, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> Psalm 24, 35 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. If, if you spend any time with me, you'll know that I really love the city, you know, born and bred in Wellington. And Wellington is a city of hills. Sometimes people say it's a windy city. It is sometimes, right? But, you know, it's a hilly city. And, uh, and to get anywhere, to get anywhere, you're either walking up a hill or you're walking down a hill or, or you're catching a bus up a hill or catching a bus down or, or whatever. So, you know, every day you're, you're ascending or you're descending, we're a, and we're, we're a city of views, right? I think that's one of the things I really like about hills. I lived in Christchurch for a while, and Christchurch is fantastic. But you, when you're on the flat like that, you just can't see so far, right? But in Wellington, we're a city of, city of views. And, and I think there's something about getting up high, getting up onto a hill, um, and, and you get this perspective. You can see, you know, everything is smaller, everything's sort of far away, and uh, you have this perspective. I think it's, uh, it's a bit like getting a heavenly perspective, and uh, if you're old like me, you might remember this band called the, po- the Postal Service, and they had a song called Such Great Heights, and they would sing, they will see us waving from such great heights. I love it, eh? They will see us waving from such great heights. Come down now, they'll say, but everything looks perfect from far away. Come down now, but we'll stay. I like that, eh? You get up high and you don't want to come down again. In, in the Bible, you have these, uh, in the book of Psalms, you have these, these uh, Psalms of Ascent, uh, which are Psalms 120 to 134. They're also called Songs of Ascent. And uh, traditionally, these were, these were sung by pilgrims, Jewish people that were on their way to, to Jerusalem. They'd make their way up to Jerusalem and they'd sing these songs. Jer- Jerusalem uh, is a... Is, on a hill, it's a high, it's a high city. It's about seven hundred and eighty-five meters above sea level, according to Google. And in, and in one of the songs of ascent, Psalm one hundred twenty-one, they would sing, "I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, Maker of heaven." Creator of the earth. And so they'd be walking up to the city, like singing these songs, eh? And that, that was the actual melody of the song. Yeah. We've got a recording of it. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, Akiva, sorry, there's a word that I had for you as well. Just uh, and so weigh, weigh this up, but I just got this sense of I know that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're a musician, and, and I just got the sense of it was almost like when when King David when he would he would play music like the Saul, you know, King Saul would get David before he was a king to play music, 
and the and the tormenting spirit would leave Saul. And also the sense of like when when you play music, um, the the sense of like a peace, like peace coming upon people and um, and actually break breakthrough in that. Yeah. So Lord, you always pray for pray for Kiva as well, Lord, that, um, that you bless her, the gifting, and and Holy Spirit when she, when she plays music and when she's in those places of. Um, uh, wherever it is, around people that re- are desperate for you, that chains will be broken, tormenting spirits would lift off in your name, Jesus. And please bless her, Lord. May she know more of your spirit, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, hopefully that resonates a bit. <laughs> okay, okay. We can pray for you more afterwards if you like as well. Yeah. Um, so people would go up to Jerusalem singing that song, and um, in Jerusalem was, was the temple, and the, you know, they'd see the temple as being God's house, God's house on earth. Uh, and, and so going to the temple was a way of like drawing near, drawing near to God, drawing near for the, the divine perspective, you know, trying to get a bit of a good view. But then Jesus, Jesus went further than any human had ever been. When, when, he, when he ascended, he didn't just draw, draw near to God in the temple the Bible says that 40 days after Easter, after his resurrection, he, he physically went right into, hey, Henry. Um, <laughs> just so meaningful to me, man. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, anyway, where was I at? 40 days after Easter. Henry walks in. Now, 40 days after Easter, after his resurrection, Jesus physically went right into the throne room of God in heaven. And he, so he fulfilled Psalm 24, right? He, he ascended the hill of the Lord and stands in his holy place. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus has got clean hands and a, and a pure heart that can do that. It's a, Jesus, Jesus' ascension is such an important uh, part of our story. It holds many, many things together in, in our faith, in the Christian faith. But, but for some reason, it, it can be a little bit overlooked. And, um, and so today, I want dive to dive into this topic of ascension and, and highlight a few things that we can take hold in our hearts. Take hold today. So I'm going to read, uh, read from this, this old book of the Bible, Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. So if you've got your Bibles handy, it's always a good thing to bring. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It goes like this. In my first book, so if you didn't know, uh, Acts is uh, written by Luke, and Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke. So in my first book, he's talking about Luke, Gospel of Luke. I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he, gift he promised. As, as I promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We continue. So when the Holy when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. 
and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes down upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, in Wellington, Lower Heart, Porirua, and to the ends of the earth. That's what it says in my translation. After saying this, he was taken up into, the, up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing there staring into heaven? Jesus, who you, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. And I don't know what that is in kilometres, but this is, the, this is the Mount of Olives, as it is now. And that little tower at the top, no, just, oh. yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, this, is the Mount of, this is the Mount of Olives, and it's about 826 metres above sea level, which is twice as high as Mount Coco. So it's quite high, right? Jesus, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem, then he ascended the Mount of Olives, and then he just kept on going. And it's like he was taken up into the cloud and disappeared. And this is the moment that we call the ascension. The Gospel of Mark says that Jesus was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. The Gospel of Luke says that immediately after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples returned to Jerusalem with, with great joy, and they spent all of the time in the temple praising God. So, so there's something really uh, like amazing. There's something amazing about this moment. Uh, I did write about this in the, in the CV News because I think it's really cool. So rather than being sad that Jesus has gone, rather than Je- you know, being sad that Jesus has, has, gone, has disappeared from sight, rather than being disappointed that he hasn't, hasn't set Israel free and, and restored their kingdom, which was what they're hoping for, Instead, they're filled with great joy. And rather than being mad at God <laughs> for taking Jesus away, they're praising him in the temple. And they're full of joy. And it seems like they're full of expectation of what God is going to do. So, where is heaven? At first glance, it, looks, it might look as though Jesus is, is launching off in, in the atmosphere, like going far away. Yeah, such great heights. He's disappearing off into the distance. Sometimes people think that heaven, heaven is actually way up in the sky somewhere. You know, you've got to, got to yell your prayers as loud as you can so God can hear you. And it's sort of like that, you know, that cartoon kind of thing of like, you know, heaven being up there, up on the clouds. But heaven is much closer than that. Closer than that. Closer than that. Heaven is God's throne room. Heaven is, heaven is not bound within time and space like, like we are. Time and space. We're created by God. So as the creator, he exists out of time and space, outside of time and space. He exists, he exists outside of these dimensions. So I like to think, I like to think of ascension being this moment where, where Jesus simply like, like steps outside of, of, our, of our dimensions, of these dimensions that we're within, of time and space. And he, and he kind of steps, like he's, he's going, he's ascended, you know, he's Jerusalem, and then up Mount Olives, and then keeps going, and then, and, then, and then steps into heaven, into the heavenly dimensions, which is much, much closer than we imagine. Heaven is much closer than we think. Heaven is, heaven is within reach, you know. You might have heard the words of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us. 
our Father who, who art in heaven. And we're not praying to a God who, who's far away. Like, I, I, you know, I've, I've said this before, but Jesus taught his followers to go into a cupboard, you know, to go into a cupboard and, and to pray, our Lord, our Father in heaven. So if God can hear you when you're in your cupboard, he's close, he's near, he's close by. We're not praying to a God who's far away. We're praying to a God who's intimately near, like, like near enough to hear our shy or uh, even our timid whispers, near enough to hear, uh, hear. I mean, I often pray just in my head. I'm sure that some of you are the same. He can hear those. So he can hear my thoughts. He's close. Heaven is close. Before he ascended, Jesus was only in certain places and, and at certain times. But now, because of the ascension, he, he can be everywhere all the time. He can, be, he can be here with us on Sunday morning as we worship. At the same time as he's with the folks down the road worshipping Jesus or you know, folks that are worshipping Jesus in India or Iran or, or wherever, all around the world. As that's, that's the first point. Heaven is near. Jesus is near to us all the time. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing in heaven? Ascension means that Jesus rules and reigns from God's heavenly throne. And this is what the early Christians understood. So listen to what the Apostle Peter says. This is in the next chapter of Acts. What I don't have up on the screen. So you have to believe me. Or if you've got a Bible, you can read along. So Acts, Acts 2, 32. It says this. This is what Peter says. God raised Jesus from the dead. So this is Acts 2.32. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honour in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Or next week, because, you know, Pentecost is next Sunday, right? For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honour at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. So Peter's pretty blunt. He tells everybody listening that even though they had crucified Jesus... God raised Jesus from the dead, and now Jesus is at God's right hand in heaven. And, and Peter quotes Psalm 110, which prophetically, prophetically speaks of Jesus sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at the place of honour at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Jesus even quoted this psalm. Psalm 110 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Jesus is God's right-hand man. So what's, God, what's Jesus doing in heaven? He's being Lord of the universe. Theologian Michael Bird wrote a beautiful chapter about the ascension in, in his book. You might have read it called What Christians Ought to Believe, because often we believe things we shouldn't. What Christians Ought to Believe. And he, he describes Jesus as being exalted to God's right hand with divine authority. Actually, why am I lifting my left hand? Right hand. Right? Exalted to God's right hand with divine authority. Jesus is placed at God the Father's Jesus is placed as God the Father's vice regent and the one in whom and through whom divine authority is expressed. 
that Jesus was taken into heaven in order to take control of the affairs of the universe. He's in heaven, you know, he's in the heavenly control room and is the key agent in the redemption and renewal of all things. Jesus is Lord. The scriptures in Romans, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We confess, you know, we say, Lord, I believe in you. I confess, I confess that Jesus is God. Believing in your heart involves ordering our lives around him. If he is Lord of the universe, then he is Lord of us, right? And all of who we are and everything that goes on in here. So we say it with our mouth, you know, Jesus, you're Lord. But then, then the action is like in here. And so everything that's within me needs to come into submission, needs to, needs to revolve around your order, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that he's so gracious that he, he welcomes, welcomes us just as we are. I remember when a friend of mine came to the Lord, and I think he emailed me, and he, and he put it like this. He said, I gave Jesus the reins to my life. And it just stuck with me, this phrase. It's almost like, you, you know, you're on, a, you're on a horse, and you're holding on to those reins of the horse, and the, you know, the horse is your life, and then you give Jesus the reins to your life. But it's also that sense of Jesus reigns, right? The pun, right? Jesus reigns. And, and this journey we're on is listening to how, listening and learning how to let Jesus rule and reign in our lives. But why was it better for Jesus to go? Why was it better for Jesus to go? Jesus, Jesus doesn't leave us on, on our own in this. In John 16, he, he spoke to the disciples about leaving and he says, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. That's John 16, 7. The advocate that Jesus spoke of is the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word used in that verse is, is paraclete. Paraclete, which, which is a multifaceted word. It means comforter. Encourager, counselor, someone called to come alongside, you know, called to one side, and an advocate. Jesus makes this promise that when he leaves, he will send, he will send the Holy Spirit, he will send the paraclete to come alongside his followers. Why was it better for Jesus to go so the Holy Spirit could come? Yes. And the Holy Spirit's role is to continue the witness of Jesus through the witness of, through the witness of disciples, through the witness of people like you and me. He, he empowers us to represent Jesus, for, uh, continuing Jesus' mission. And he, and he transforms us to be more like Jesus from actually from deep within. Uh, uh, as, as Michelle mentioned, Pentecost Sunday is, is next Sunday. And, well, I'm just going to jump, jump the gun, eh? Because... You know, Pentecost actually happened 2,000 years ago, so we don't have to wait until next week. But, but Pentecost was the day that the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, Matt, I think Matt's gone out to talk to the kids, but he'll probably talk about this again next week. Pentecost was the day that the Holy Spirit fell upon the early believers, like filling them and so incredibly uh, transforming them, empowering them, that they just went on to do things that are just inc incredible. 
And it's also proof that Jesus really did ascend into heaven. It's proof that Jesus did ascend into heaven because that's what he says. He goes, I'm going to go into heaven and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So he disappears from view. They can't see him anymore. But then the Holy Spirit comes and falls upon them. Tongues of fire, you know, the sound of the rushing wind. It's proof that Jesus is in heaven, (laughs) ruling and reigning from his heavenly throne room, the control center of the universe. Jesus did what he said he would do. Uh, if you've been walking through town recently in the last couple of months, there's been these posters uh, near the train station. <laughs> they always take my, take my attention, eh? If you can't read it from the back, it says, nobody is coming to save us. A talk on how direct action can, cl- can save us from the climate crisis. I quite like the one that's been crossed out, but, <laughs> but the other two are quite cool. So all through. And, and, you know, I mean, I get what this is about, right? This is, uh, you know, folks that are uh, really concerned about... Um, about global warming and, and want to do what, whatever we can um, to, to hold it off. <laughs> and I'm just looking at my notes. I'm going, man, I've jumped the gun. I got too excited about my slides. But anyway, here we go. Because <laughs> Jesus' ascension is also connected with another promise. And the promise is that he will return. And I love what the angels say to the apostles, and I love it. I love the version and, and the message translation. They go, you Galileans, why do you just stand there looking up at an empty sky? You Galileans, why do you stand there? Because, you know, the apostles are looking up. Well, where's Jesus gone? They go, why are you standing there looking at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. Yeah, this is also spoken of throughout the Gospels and, and later in the letters in the New Testament. And so you walk past these posters, if you're ever kind of walking, getting, uh, you know, catching the train or whatever, saying nobody is coming to save us, but the promise of the ascension is that actually somebody is coming to save us. Jesus is coming back one day, and he will make all things new. Oh, this is, so, this is such a hopeful promise. This is our hope. It's coming from Revelation 21, John's vision. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will not God, God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, who is Jesus, says, Look, I'm making all things new. So we, because of Ascension, have, have the most incredible hope, a hope of an, an unimaginably good future with God. God uh, Jesus, God, is coming to save us. But, unt- but until then, even though we can't see him, Jesus is, is God with us. He is not just God with the people that we read about in the Bible. I think of Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, who stuck his finger in the scar in Jesus' side. Or or Mary, actually there was a couple of Marys who were the first to see the resurrected Jesus. Jesus isn't just God with the people in the Bible. He's he's God with us here and now. This is why when we we worship, we've got got such expectation that, that Jesus is with us in the room. We can't see him. We can see you guys, <laughs> and maybe you can see you know, who is up the front, but Jesus is here with us in the room. 
It's part of the reason why I wanted to sing that song that has, you know, to, about op- opening the eyes, opening my eyes. Opening the eyes of our heart so we can see you. Heaven is closer than we think. So rather than us needing to walk up the hill to ascend to God's temple, instead, because of ascension, the Holy Spirit descends and he comes down upon us. He falls from heaven, filling us from deep within. Deep cries out to deep. The deepest parts of us, longing for the depth of God. And he comes. And I think it's incredible. Jesus, Jesus, who rules and reigns, who we can't see, but he rules and reigns from heaven, who is the Lord of the universe. He sends his spirit who fills us. And so we, have, we can be filled with the spirit of God and we can embark on the mission of God. You know, his mission of, of renew, bringing renewal to the world and, and redemption to the world. The, the posters that I showed before, you know, the, about the climate crisis. Nobody's coming to save us. But we're, we can be both and. We go, yes, there's someone to coming to save us. And yes, we can be all about God's work here on earth. You know, doing what we can to limit pollution and uh, helping people and, and everything like that. It's a both and message. We can embark on the mission of God, sharing about Jesus with people. Um, we are Jesus' body here on earth. So when we go out and, and, we, and we pray for people, it's as though Jesus is praying for people. When we go into our workplaces or our school or, you know, catching the bus or train or whatever, wherever we are, we can be, we can be we're representing Jesus. It's as though we are Jesus. because of the Holy Spirit who is within us. And we have this hope that one day we will ascend to be with God. Uh, the, the, in Hebrews, it speaks about how Jesus is our high priest who has gone on ahead of us. And this is the anchor that we hold on to. So I just want to, I just want to tell a quick story. Um, Yeah, I want to tell a quick story. <laughs> so, uh, going going back in time, um, twenty nineteen. Who remembers twenty nineteen? Twenty nine BC. <laughs> yeah, before COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, there'd been a, there'd been a whole lot of stuff going on. I'd been a pastor for a whole year, like uh, you know, on top of my game, not really living everything I didn't know. And, uh, and there'd been a whole lot of stuff going on. There was a whole lot of, um, there'd been some, some conflict. I was like, I was stressed, uh, anxious. And, and just, you know, like bearing my heart in front of you, like going, God, I believe in you, but I'm just not sure if you're really that interested in what's going on and are going to do anything about, yeah, about it. This is the pastor, right? <laughs> yeah, you might not be here next week. Um, <laughs> Oh, you know, I'd just been, I'd been so rattled by, by things going on. Uh, I won't go into those details, but I, was, but I began to get unsure if, if his kingdom really was stronger than what, we, what was going on around us. 
Was he, was he really the king of kings? Are you, are you really the king of kings? Could I, could I really trust him? I think that was the battle that I was going on. And, uh, and so around this time, there was a, um, a vineyard conference happening up in, up in Auckland. Um, plug for vineyard conferences. So good. There's one that's happening down in uh, Christchurch, October 6th, 7th, 8th this year. All invited. It's for everybody, okay? Awesome. So anyway, I went up to the vineyard conference, and I was just like so desperate. I'm like, oh, God, I don't care like, about the topics. I don't care about who's speaking. I just, I just, want, I just want to meet with you. I just want assurance. Uh, I just want encouragement. I just <laughs> want to know that you care about what's going on. And so on the first, on the first night, uh, somebody spoke. <laughs> I don't know who. <laughs> there was an altar call. I don't know what. I'm out of my chair. I'm up the front. I'm like, oh, God, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and people people gathered, people different people came came and prayed for me, and I just remember being like just just being ministered to, ministered in that moment, and I didn't tell them what I was getting you know getting prayer for, they didn't know. Um, when, when I kind of think back to it, I'm going, there's something in that moment that changed. Like there was there was a shift in my heart. Uh, I mean, I, got, I really don't know how to describe it. Like a like a like a reassurance, or an encouragement, or perhaps there was like this like the seed of faith. You know, faith is a gift of God, and perhaps that was it. Like the Holy Spirit, like giving me this seed of faith that 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 shifted my perspective. And and it, and it was a seed because it wasn't like this instantaneous change. And then I came back to Wellington and everything was, you know, better and the kingdom of God had come and um, there was no more suffering or death and, and everything like that. But, but it, was this, it, was this, it was this shift that began. And I, like, trace it back. I go, that's where, that's where the change took place. And it was as though the Holy Spirit, who is here with us right now, okay, the paraclete, as though he came alongside me as my advocate, as my comforter, as my encourager, as my counsellor, this guy that's meant to, I'm meant to have it all together, right? No. He came alongside me and he spoke to my heart and he helped me to see that Jesus is God because that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, to speak truth. To reveal Jesus for who He is, He is God. He is Lord. He is trustworthy. And when I think back to that time, I don't know if it's a if it's a picture that someone shared with me. I don't know if it's a, a vision that I had. But the picture that keeps coming to mind is of is of a lion, like like of the lion of Judah, and and almost like like Aslan. And if you've seen Narnia, all Aslan needs to do is like simply like raw. <laughs> <laughs> And everything changes, hey. Silence is the enemy. Everything that was difficult to overcome is silenced by this roar of the Lion of Judah. And it, I mean, I don't know. You might, be, you might be sort of like feeling, you might be kind of like resonating with what I'm saying about, about that sense of like, God, I believe in you, but I just don't know if you're that interested in me today or in what's going on. You might resonate with that kind of thing. Or, man, the prayer of my own, my own heart over the last 
few weeks has been, God, I just want to know more of your love. Show me more of your love, Lord. I want more of your love. I just want to, you know, invite the Holy Spirit to come this morning. There's always more, eh? There's always more of God. So, do you want to, if you feel like it, do you, you want to stand? I'll, I'll pray. I'll invite, um, just invite, invite the Lord to come move among us. Because we don't have to wait for Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> it happened 2,000 years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> Lord, we, we are in awe of you. Jesus, you, you are good. You're so good. You're, you're far beyond uh, what we can even understand of, of what good is. You're, you're more loving, more kind. You're more powerful. Lord, we, we worship you today. We sang those songs this morning of... Um, being thirsty, all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain to drink from the streams of life. So Holy Spirit, would, would you come now? Would you even like, move in this place upon, upon all of us here? You are mine.